All right, Rabbi, we'll say good morning. Let us begin a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Beginning by thanking our sponsors for the Shara Tamutora sponsors for the month of Av, Paul and Kathy Pollock, in honor of all of their grandchildren. Baruch Hashem, may they continue to grow and become the best version of themselves. Truly beautiful. Our week of learning sponsors, Bill and Razi, Eskin, Lezech, and Nishmas, Bill's father, Mordechai, Ben David, Razi's mother, Tzivya, Bas, Moshe, Aaron, as well as our... Week of Learning sponsors um, by the Dafyomi Group in this Chos of an enduring, a complete and enduring Rufuah Shlema for Yehuda Ben Michal. We hope that in the merit of our Tamatari, he together with Kol Chodah Yisrael will have a complete and enduring Rufuah. All of the Neshama Shavin Aliyah, the families in Nechama. And I will say with that, let us, let us begin. So I will say today's Daf is Daf Chof Vav. We are up to a Merit Hashem. Daf Chof Hemibes. We left off. We left off um, two lines from the bottom. Two lines from the bottom. So also, remember again, the Gemara, the, Gemara, the Gemara kind of gave us a veiled reference to a story. So the Gemara said that Rebbe and Rebbe Chia, one of them went ahead and elevated a son to the Kahuna based on the testimony of his father. And, and then one of them elevated a brother based on the testimony of his brother. So again, in yesterday's daf, at the end of yesterday's daf, we saw that it was Rebbe who elevated the who elevated the son on behalf of his father. So the Gemara says, "Umid Rebbe ha'ela ben api aviv lekuna, Rebbe Chia ha'ela ach api aviv lelevia." Sorry, the brother case was to, to, to the levia to being a lady. So again, the emergence is by process of, elimin- of, of elimination. If Rebbe was the one who elevated the son. Through the testimony of his father to the kahuna, that it must be that Rabbi Chia was the one who elevated one brother through the testimony of his brother to becoming a lady. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Chia, Maishna ben Dolo. So I will say, so the Gemara, so the Gemara in the says something very interesting. It must be that each did not agree with the halachic premise of the other. So why did Rabbi Chia not believe that it was possible? to elevate a son to the kahuna based on the testimony of his father. So the Gemara says, the karov who ate aviv, very simple, because a son is related to his father. And therefore, again, I will say in general, krovim relatives are not believed to give edus. And therefore, again, we can't accept the testimony of a father to go ahead and elevate his son to the kahuna. To which the Gemara says, one second, ach nami karov who ate aviv, but one second, at the end of the day, brothers are also related to each other. So if that's the case, if brothers are related to each other, how can you elevate one brother to the Leviya, right? Based on the testimony of another brother, to which the Gemara says, What was the case? The case was Masiach Lefitumor. Now, we've seen this many times throughout our journeys in Shas. Masiach Lefitumor, Rabbo saying is like this, that in certain situations, you may have a person who is not believed to give testimony. Let's say a person is unfit, a person, for whatever, for whatever the reason. There is a concept of Masiach Lefituma, which is, when a person voluntarily provides information, not in the context of testimony, but just again, Masiach Lefituma means literally, he's conversing of his own accord. In other words, he's giving us information. That information has a degree of credibility because it is not given as a form of testimony. So what the Gemara is suggesting is like this. When does Rabbi Chia say that you could believe a brother to elevate his fellow brother 
to the Leviah, that wasn't when one brother was testifying on behalf of the other. That was when one brother was just giving information as a free flow of information, not in the context of testimony. The Gemara gives an example, I will say. What's an example of Masiach Lefitimo? Listen to this. Like the following case. Well, there was once a guy. There was once a guy. And this guy was just simply providing information. Again, he was not solicited for information. He wasn't asked for information. He was just simply recounting something. What was he recounting? Listen to this. I remember when I was a kid. Umurkov al Ksefo Shal Abba. I used to ride on my father's shoulder. My father would give me a shoulder ride. Vautsiuni mi besa sefer. My father would take me out of school. Vehev shituni es kutanti. Vehev biluni laachal shuma be'arath. And my father would take me out of school. And what would he do? He would take me to the mikvah. He would immerse me in the mikvah. And that evening we would eat shuma together. This was this kid's childhood memory. And I will say, and again, he's not, he's just volunteering this information of his, of his own free will. For Rabbi Chia Misayimba, and Rabbi Chia, Rabbi Chia said the story ended like this, that the man ended his testimony, mimeni. my friends used to go ahead and keep their distance from me. And he used to call me Yochanan the Chala Eater. Yochanan the Chala Eater. And I will say, this was this kid just recounting a childhood memory. And I will say, from this story, this young man, this young man, he was, he was already an adult when he was recounting it, obviously did not consider himself a Kohen. Did not consider himself a Kohen. He's retelling this story as a childhood memory. And Rebbe went ahead and established him as a Kohen based on this testimony. And I will say, if there's one thing we've seen up until this point, in order to certify kahuna, your own testimony certainly is not enough, at least to establish ichos. So we'll say, what do you see from here? The Gemara is just bringing this as an example of masiach lefi tumo. This is just a case of someone who's providing information, again, not in the context of testimony, not in any type of, of we'll call it, yeah, testimonial context, just free flow of information. When a person provides information in this way, even though the same person, right, had this same kid come to Beisdin and given testimony like this, would we have believed this testimony? Would we have believed it? No, because you can't give testimony about yourself uh, in, in most cases. But because it's just a free flow of information, not in the form of testimony, therefore, halacha lamaisa, it is believed. It is believed. Okay. So the Gemara just gives us an example. Therefore, both sides, just to go, just to kind of pull, full circle, Therefore, Rabbi Chia says, in the case where I believed one brother, one brother, to go ahead and give testimony about the other brother's Levitic status, that was also a case of Masiach Lafitumo. Incredible. So Tanya, Rabbi Shemel Alazar Omer, Kishim Shetruma Chazaka Lekahuna, Kach Meiser Chazaka Lekahuna. So both said this is very interesting. So Rabbi Shemel comes along and says, in the same way that Truma consumption is a chazaka for the kahuna. So we'll say, now remember, we, we are still, what's our primary sugi here? Our primary sugi is to try to figure out what activities themselves solidify a person's kohanic status. 
That, that's what we're hyper-focused on right now. So Shimon Elizabeth says like this, the same way that truma consumption solidifies a person's chazaka for the kahuna, so too the consumption of maiserishon also solidifies a person's kach maiserishon chazaka the kahuna. So to consumption of maiserishon also goes in and solidifies the person's chazaka for the kahuna. V'acholik bebezdin, v'acholik bebezdin ena chazaka. But I'll look at Rashi for just a moment. V'acholik bebezdin, so we'll say what this sounds like is, it sounds like is, and if truma, if truma disbursement is done through the base din, that does not create chazaka. Okay, so we'll say three statements over here. Statement number one, statement number one, truma consumption establishes chazaka for the kuna. Statement number two, Maiserishon consumption establishes Chazaka for the Kuna. Statement number three, Truma disbursement through a Beisdin does not establish Chazaka. So it says, well, let's analyze this. Maiserishon, the lady who, they will say, why does Maiserishon consumption establish Chazaka for a Kuna? For Kuna, they will say, who gets to eat Maiserishon? Who is Maiserishon? A lady. So how does Maiserishon consumption work for Kuna? To which the Gemara says, "Maaser Rishon the Levi who Kerbalazav and Azaria." We both say, "So that's the Kerbalazav and Azaria." Because what does Kerbalazav and Azaria say? The Sanya to Ruma the Kohen Maaser Rishon Levi Dev Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says in general, Truma goes to a Kohen, Maaser Rishon goes to a Levi. These doors of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Lazav and Azaria Omer Maaser Rishon Af the Kohen. Rabbi Lazav and Azaria says Maaser Rishon can even be given to a Kohen. Even be given to a coin, to which the Gemara says, that's fine, but Emer Darab Lozban Azariah, Af Lekoin, Lekoin Velo Lelevi Mi Amar. They both say, remember again, Emer Darab Lozban Azariah is saying what? That a coin could also eat, could also eat Maiserishon. What isn't Darab Lozban Azariah saying? He's not saying that only a coin eats Maiserishon. They both say, when the Brayse says before that Halacha Lamaisa, Maiserishon consumption works to prove. Kohanic status that only works if what? Only works if what? That only a Kohen eats Maiserishon. All Rabbi Lazar ben Azari is saying is that what? Even a Kohen can eat Maiserishon. In other words, so if you see someone eating Maiserishon, there are two possibilities. What are the two possibilities? Either A, is, what's possibility A? He's a lady, right? Possibility B is he's also a Kohen, right? Or he may be a Kohen. So what's the right to which the Gemara says in? Listen to this, first wide line. Basser to Kansinhu Ezra. So we'll say this is incredible. What are we talking about over here? We're talking about after Ezra penalized the Levine. We'll say, do look at Rashi. Last of the white lines in Rashi. Basser to Kansinhu Ezra, the Levine, the Lolesvuluhu, Kidamina Biyavamas, the Parakesh. So we'll say, we're back in our Yavamas days, our good old Yavamas days. So we'll say, what happened in Yavamas? Ezra penalized the Levine. Why did he penalize the Levine? Because we'll remember again, when Ezra comes up, there's only a fraction of the Jewish people that comes up. 42,000 Jews come up with Ezra, a fraction of the population. Which segment was noticeably missing? Levian. It's, it's, it's fascinating to see. It sounds like from the Psukim, not one lady came along with Ezra. So because of that, Ezra penalized the Levian. He took Maiserishon away from them and he gave it to the Kohanim. So therefore, the Gemara suggesting is like this. After, after this, this edict of Ezra, 
They will say, if you see someone eating Meisir Yishon, you know with absolute certainty that what are they? That what are they? They're a coin because Levium were no longer permitted to go out eating Meisir Yishon. So I will say, it's pretty incredible. So I will say, but here, here's the issue. Here's the issue. The issue over here is, but maybe someone just happened to go ahead and give this guy Meisir Yishon, but love Dafka that he's a coin. What's the case? Here's the case. We, this guy, this guy in question, we know that his father is a Kohen. So we'll say, here's, so watch this. We have a guy, Aaron. We have a guy, Aaron. We happen to know that Aaron's father is a Kohen. Rabbi, so you say to yourself, I, if Aaron's father is a Kohen, Pretty much doesn't he have it that he has it in the bag that he's a Kohen, no? No, to which the Gemara says, no. What's the issue? The issue is an issue with his mother. That there was a call, there was a rumor, there was a rumor that his mother was a Grusha, his mother was a Chalutza, his father illegally married this woman. And therefore, we'll say, remember again, if a Kohen marries a Grusha, a Kohen marries a Chalutza, the child is a Chalal. So we'll say, so therefore, there's always like this cloud of doubt hanging over Aaron. Then what happened? The Chokule Lididei Maiseb Bebe Sagranas. So I'll say, now what happens? Aaron, they were giving Aaron Maiseri Shon by the threshing floor. They were dispersing him Maiseri Shon. So let's analyze this. Let's say the Gemara said, Levi, the lab, Levi, So what, what are the possibilities? Possibility number one is that Aaron's a Levi. We both say, why is it not possible that Aaron's a Levi? Why is that not possible? Because we know his father's a Kohen. Like, there are many things you could accomplish in Yiddishkeit. He'll say, but the one thing you can't accomplish is that if your father's a Kohen, there's no way he becomes a lady. Right? You can become a lot of things, but not a lady. So he'll say, so therefore, again, because I, so you see, he'll say, it's fascinating. So it's like, it's like a little bit of like, of, like, of like detective work over here. See, here's what I know. I have a guy, Aaron. Here's what I know, here's what I know about Aaron. His father is a Kohen. What I also know is that there were some rumors swirling about, about the status of his mother. Some say the mother was a grusha, chalutza, this, that. Okay, we don't know. So, doubt. Now, I see Aaron getting Maiserishon. They're giving him, at the granary, a portion of Maiserishon. So let's go through the possibilities. He's not a levy. He's not a levy. The love levy who, right? At the end, he's not a levy because his father's a Kohen. So Michael and Neymar. So it says, what could be happening over here? Ben grusha, or ben chalutza, who? Lomi boy. So we'll say, Lomi Bai Leman Damar Maiserisha Asilazarim, Delo Havu Yavele. So we'll say, so let's go through this. So now they're giving him a portion of Maiserisha's granary. So it can't be there. So therefore, it can't be that he's a Ben Grusha Ben Chalusa. Because if it was a Ben Grusha Ben Chalusa, then what? Delo Havu Yavele. Then they would not be giving him Maiserisha. Alafid Leman Damar Maiserisha Mutalazarim. Because we'll say, even according to the opinion who says, that Maiserisha could be consumed even by non Kohanim. We saw this opinion in Yavamus writing. The according to his opinion, it says that Maiserisha can be consumed by non Kohanim. Halimili, lemispaklohu. I will say that means that halacha lemaisa, that if a non Kohen happens, so happens to get his hands on Maiserisha and he eats it, he could eat it. He could eat it. However, they both said, but there's one thing we would never do, which is what? We would never give a portion of Maiserishon to Yisrael. That we wouldn't do. In other words, they both say, if Yisrael shows up at the granary to go ahead and get a portion of Maiserishon, we would not give it to him. So it's actually very interesting. A Yisrael could technically eat Maiserishon. 
but we would never give it to him as a disbursement. Say for Abosai, when you put all of this together, interestingly enough, so Abosai says, here, so let, let's go back, let's go back for just a moment. The Bryce was talking about how we could solidify Kohanic status of a particular individual. So step one, step or part possibility one was my Sarisha. I'm sorry, Truma. Truma. Okay, that's the easy case. Fine. Give him Truma's coin. Possibility number two was he's getting my Sarisha. So I'll say, so that again, that is a very specific case. What's the specific case? Number one, when is this true? When is this true? After Ezra penalized the Levine. So therefore, the only people really getting my solution as a disbursement are Kohanim, are Kohanim. But what's the particular case in question? The particular case in question was, so we have Aaron. Aaron's father is known to be a Kohen. There's some doubt about the identity of his mother, right? And there, but yet we see him getting a disbursement from the granary of my solution. If you see that happening, that could attest to his Kohanic status. Beautiful. Now the third statement in that price was that if someone is getting, if someone is getting a chalukah, that was the way, the way we assumed that this was that if truma was being distributed by the basin of the town, that does not attest to his Kohanic status. So the price said, if you're getting your disbursement in Beisdin, that is not a chazaka to your Kohanic status, to which the Gemara says, If getting a disbursement in Beisdin doesn't establish a chazaka for your kahuna, then what does establish chazaka? The truth is, the best place to establish chazaka is where? For chazaka for kahuna is where? In Beisdin. We would assume again, I will say, think about it just a moment. Let's say, if you think about the disbursements of Trumas and Maestras, in general, where do they happen? I'm a Yisrael, and I'm just a regular farmer. So what happens? I set aside Truma, I set aside Maestras. Cohen shows up. Cohen shows up. He says, right? He says, hi, I'm Arna Cohen. Now, in general, I will say there's a concept of Kohan and Levim not going and actively asking for their portions, right? But again, they show up, they show up at the greenery. Fine, I give it to them. I will say, do I know that Arna is a Cohen? Do I know that Moshe is a lady? I don't know. I don't know. These guys look like nice guys. They tell me they're Carmel Levim. I give it to them. I give it to them. They will say, the pastos, a Beisdin, right? If a Beisdin is going in in charge of dispersing Trumas and Maestras, the pastos, they know who they're dispersing it to. But means to say, Hachol is interesting. Hacholik Truma, benichse aviv, im echav bebeisdin, Oh, we'll say, watch this, watch this. This is fascinating. Let's say, we'll see the following situation. Aaron passes away. Aaron is a father. Right? And Aaron has four sons, Nadav, Aviu, Elazar, and Itamar. So we'll say, it happens to be that Nadav, Nadav, they have all of the same father. And therefore, we'll say, remember again, inheritance goes after the father. So they're all going ahead and splitting the same estate. It happens to be Nadav who had a different mother. And it was when it comes to Nadav's mother, there was some question about was she a Grusha, was she a Chalutza, what, what was the nature of the marriage? So I'm say, now what happens? Nadav shows up, Nadav shows up to go ahead and split the estate with his brothers. They're both saying, now watch this. Included in the estate is what? Truma. Aaron, Aaron had collected Truma before he passed away. He didn't get a chance to consume it. So now there is truma in the estate. They will say, 
all of four brothers split the truma equally. Let's, let's assume for a moment no one's a Bukhar, right? There's an oldest girl. Right? No, none of them are a Bukhar. So they're going to go ahead and split the, split the entire estate, including the truma, equally. So what is the Gemara saying? The fact that Nadav gets a portion of truma as part of his Yerusha doesn't what? Doesn't what? Does not attest to his Kohanic status. Because why is he getting this truma? Why is he getting the truma? Not the Torah's truma, right? What is he getting it as? Yerusha. It sounds so both sides. So that 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 it's so fascinating. That's the case the Gemara says of Hacholik Bebezdin. It's not a case of where Bezdin is going ahead and handing out the truma. It's a case of where brothers, the son of a Kohen, four brothers, I'm giving four as an example, four brothers, son of a Kohen, are coming to Bezdin to split their father's estate. And in the estate is truma. So the fact that a brother, that all the sons get truma, does not at all go ahead and reflect on their Kohanic status because they're getting truma as part of their Yerusha. Such an incredible case. To which the Gemara says, Pshita. Okay, that's obvious. Because obviously when the brothers are dividing up the estate and there's truma in the estate, Truma is looked at as property. So, of course, halacha l'maysa, again, it doesn't attest to Kohanic status. So, ma'adotema, the Gemara says, what would you have thought? Ma'adotema, midahanach la'achila, hainami la'achila. I would have thought like this. Since three out of the four brothers are bona fide Kohanim, right? So, again, remember, Aviu, Elazar, and Itamar, we know that their yichos is intact. They're going to eat the truma that they're getting from the inheritance. Hanach la'achila. I'm sorry. So, hai nami la'achila. Maybe I would thought, I would think also that therefore, again, on both sides, as part of this disbursement, is also like a shtemple on Nadav zichos that he should also be able to eat. Kamash malon, hanach la'achila, hai zabuni. To which the Gemara says, maybe not. Maybe not. No, not, I should say, not at all. When the brothers come to Bezdin, ultimately, again, to split up the estate, that's exactly what they're doing, to splitting up the estate. What is Bezdin not getting involved with right now? What are they not getting involved in? They're not getting involved in Nadav's questionable, questionable kuhuna. So, said, so therefore, what does that mean? Elazar, I should say, Avihu, Elazar, and Itamar. What are they going to do with the truma, ultimately, that they inherited from their father? What can they do with it? They can eat it. They can eat it. What is Nadav going to do with it? Sell it. Sell it. They will say, again, because Lamaisa, Lamaisa, Nadav still has a question of Yichos to work out. So we're not getting involved in that right now. What we're going to do is we're going to split the estate. I, you're going to say, but one second, what is Nadav, the questionable coin, going to do with Truma? Very simple. What is he going to do with Truma? He'll sell it. They will say, what, what, what in general happens when, a, when someone other than a coin, by the way, I want to point that you can have a lot of cases like this. Let's say can have a case like this. I'll give you a great case like this, where you have sometimes... Yisrael grandchildren who inherit a Kohanic grandfather, right? It could, it could absolutely happen. I will say, I mean, you can have a couple of convoluted cases like this, but you can have many cases of people who can't eat truma, who inherit truma as part of an estate. So what do you, who, who, what do, you do with it? First of all, it's a commodity. Now, granted, granted, there's not a lot of money to be made in selling truma. This is a good investment tip, by the way. You're welcome, right? So let's say, so, so the mice, again, there's not a lot of money made in, in, in selling truma. Why not? Why not? Why not? Very limited buying pool, 
right? Very limited Bible. In other words, I remember again, all people exalt to Rakohanim. So the truth is, to a certain degree, you're a little bit at the mercy of the of the of the buyer. But Lamaisa, okay. So it's not that's not a strong investment vehicle, right? It's not it's not an incredible return on investment. But Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, you could sell it. So I say this is incredible. Stay for if you're reading the Bryce together now, I understand it. So Halacha Lamaisa, the Bryce tells him like this. If you see a guy getting truma, see a guy getting truma, that attests to his Kohanic status. Okay? You see him eating my serishon, attest to his Kohanic status. Now again, that is a very, that is a very, that, that is a, that is a narrowly defined case as occurring after Ezra, where Levium no longer eat, no longer get my serishon with a guy whose status was subject to some level of controversy. You see him eating mice and rishon that could attest to his chronic status. However, if you see truma, if you see truma being given to someone as part of an inheritance settlement being adjudicated by Beisdin, that does not attest to his Kohanic status. Because when Beisdin awards him the truma, they're awarding him the truma how? How? The Torah as a form of inheritance and not as what? An attestation to his Kohanic status. Incredible, incredible. To which the Lord said, Behuda Omer, Eiman Lekuna Pi'edachad. So Behuda said that Allah Chalamaisa, we do not go ahead and establish Kuna based on the testimony of one aid. So to which the Gemara says, Dabosai, I'll point out to her something very interesting. In our Mishnah, in our Mishnah, which was on, um, sorry, where was the Mishnah? Mishnah, which was on Chaf Gimel Amud Beis. Everyone say, here's what we had. We had, we had Rabbi Lazar who said, Ma'alin lakuna piyelechot, that you can establish someone as a Kohen based on the testimony of one witness. And Rabbi Shimon Amil who also said that you can establish a Kohen based on the testimony of one witness. So it seems to be they're saying the same exact things. That's what the Gemara asks over here. Rabbi Shimon Amil and Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer, are Rabbi Shimon Amil and Rabbi Eliezer saying the same thing. So maybe, maybe what they're arguing about is the following case where you have one witness who objects. What does this mean? The Rabbi Eliezer Savar, Ir Erechad, Rabbi Shimon Amil Savar, Ir Erechad. So we'll say, look at Rashi just a moment. Rabbi Eliezer Savar, five lines of the Bible in Rashi. Rabbi Eliezer Savar, Ir Erechad, Havi Ir Ve'en Echad Neman Alav Lachshiro. So maybe Rabbi Eliezer says like this. That if you have an eight echad who comes along and says that what? This guy is not a Kohen. He brings a claim disputing the chronic status. Having another eight echad who testified that he is a Kohen is not going to work. Versus Rav Shem who says that no, if you have an eight echad who's saying that he's a Kohen, in order to disprove that eight echad, what do you need? Ir or tray. You need two witnesses to object. So the says, that true? Ha'amra b'yochanan, divrei ha'kol, said, everyone agrees that what in order to disprove a person's Kohanic status, you need at least two witnesses. What's the case here? Interesting. Well, so here we go. Here's the case. Here's the case. We have a guy. We're going to call him Aaron. Aaron's father is a Kohen. They will say, everyone knows Aaron's father is a Kohen. His yichos is intact. Good. Now what happened? So I said, presumably that would that would allow Aaron to to allow him to, to be to be to be considered a coin as well. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. A call, a rumor went out about Aaron saying that his mother was a Grusha or a Chalutza. Now I said, now what happens? 
Vachsine. Now, as a result of that call, so I was to just tell you what happened, is in the beginning, in the beginning, right, we assumed Aaron was a coin. Why do we assume Aaron was a coin? Why do we assume so? His father's a coin. Good. Everything's good. A rumor started. A rumor started that his mother was a Grusha, mother was a Chalusa. But say, what do you do with a rumor? So in general, in Halacha, in Halacha, how to deal with rumors is dependent on the nature of the rumor. There are different rumors. Different rumors. So without getting into that right now, rumor starts. So what do we do? I will say, what do we do when the rumor starts? We remove Aaron from the Kuna. In other words, I will say, what we do is we put him on paid leave. Paid leave, right? He's an administrative paid leave, right? So again, we're not saying you're not a coin. I'm saying you're not a coin, but, but we got we got to figure out what this is. So so the coal starts. We remove him. Okay. Okay. We'll say follow this story by this. Great. An Eidachan comes along and says, I know that Aaron is a coin. It's not true. His mother was a wonderful lady. She's not a grusha. She's not a chalutza. She's not the, right? She's a regular person. Aaron is good to go. Okay. Great. Eidachan comes along and says, Therefore, what do you do? We restore him back to the kahuna. Story is not over. Another two witnesses come along and say, No, it's not true. Aaron's mother was a Grusha. She's still a wonderful lady. But she was a Grusha when she married Aaron's father. Illegal marriage. And therefore, Aaron is a Chalal. What happens? Vachsine. Once again, we remove her from the Kuna. Not done. An Eidechad comes along and says, Not true. His mother is not a Grusha. I can write, and he gives her, Aaron's a Kohen. Okay, then we'll say that what happens. So we'll say, here we go. Here's what's interesting about this case. If you follow the flow, here's what you have. Right? Young Aaron. How did Aaron's life start? Right? As, as a Kohen, life was good. As a Kohen, we'll say, then what happened? Then what happened? Right? So there was a call. Now remember again, the story, there was a call. Call happened. Ben Grusha, Ben Chalutza. Okay? Put him on leave. So it starts with a call. We'll say, what happened after the call? Father, father. What happened after the call? Eid Echad. Eid Echad. That he's good. Okay? Then, two witnesses. Ben Grusha, Ben Chalutza. Then, another Eid Echad that he's good. So we must like this. We'll say, essentially, what do I have over here? I have two witnesses attesting to his Kohanic fitness. So the Gemara says, Everyone agrees that the two witnesses who testified that Aaron was really a fit coin, they could combine. That's a huge Kiddush. That's a huge Kiddush. Why is that a huge Kiddush? Because they did not testify together. But again, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Everyone agrees that you can go ahead and combine those two individual witnesses to form a testimonial unit of two Aidim testifying to the fact that Aaron, in fact, is a coin. Listen to this. So I'll say, what's the point of contention? This is fascinating. Do we have, do we have to be worried? What does Lezelusa mean? Do we have to be worried about impugning the reputation of Beisdin? What does this mean? This does not look good. Right? Why doesn't it look good? Because what we're constantly doing over here is we're flip-flopping 
over the reputation of Aaron the Kohen, right? He is a Kohen, he's not a Kohen. He is a Kohen, he's not a Kohen. We restore him, we take him down. So at a certain point in time, I will say, do we have to be concerned? And this is actually very interesting. So I will say, there's a concept that we've seen this many times, many times throughout Shas, which is, we have to be careful to maintain the integrity of the Beisden. Because if the integrity of Beisden is compromised, then that, that leads to, a, to, to an erosion, a fundamental erosion of the, of the integrity of the halachic system. So sometimes I will say what we have to do is we have to place the integrity of the Beisden over the needs of the particular individual. So I will say in a case like this, where is Beisden doing anything wrong? Is Beisden doing anything wrong? No. I will say this just happens to be a crazy case of a rumor, an Eirechad, to Eidim, an Eirechad. So there's just a constant flip-flopping. The problem is, I will say, as often happens in life, is that people often don't know the details. They just kind of see like a big picture and they draw their own conclusions. So the problem is, even though there's very good reason for the flip-flopping over here, do we have to be concerned that at a certain point I just need to shut this down because this does not look good for the basin. So the Gemara says, listen to this, Tanakama Savar, Tanakama says, you know what the truth is? Once you remove him from the kuna, which also essentially means after those two Aiden come and you remove him from the kuna, lo maskino we, we, we shut it down. At that point, we're shutting it down. Because so we have to be concerned about impugning the t- integrity of the basin, which I will say, if you think about it, is really unfair to Aaron. Right? Why is it unfair to Aaron? Because there is another aid that's coming, which is that Aaron has two witnesses who go ahead and testify to his Kohanic fitness. But I will say, but this is an incredible muster. An incredible muster is that sometimes the needs of, not sometimes, the needs of the collective always outweighs the needs of the individual. So I will say, in this case, the needs of the collective is maintaining the integrity of Beisden. And maintaining the integrity of the Beisden, says the Tanakhama, means not flip-flopping. Not flip-flopping, right? Two witnesses came. They said, Aaron is a ben Grusha, ben Chalutza. That's it. We're done. Case shut. I, another witness, comes. He can't. We can't, we can't do this. You have to maintain the integrity of the system. And therefore, again, says, no. says, no. You know, what the, you know how you maintain the integrity of Beisden? You know how you maintain the integrity of Beisden? Follow the halacha. That's how you maintain integrity. Right? So again, this is a complicated, convoluted case, but Lalaisa, follow it through to the end. We removed him, we removed him from his kuna, now let's restore him. And we're not worried about impugning the integrity of Bezin. I will say, now I want to be clear, it's not the Pshat that Rabbi Shimon doesn't care about the reputation of Bezin. Rabbi Shimon says, a Bezin has one job and one job only, and that is what? That is what? Uphold the halacha. Uphold the halacha, and ultimately, again, you have to uphold the halacha. What people think, you can't control people think. Anyone who cares enough to find out about the truth, will find out about the truth. And anyone who wants to come up with their own ideas, will come up with their own ideas. So this is incredible. So therefore, that's the machlokis over here. Maskev l'ravashi. Ravashi says, Ihafi, afidu treu treinami. If that's the case that halacha l'maisa, why do you have to set it up ultimately again as, as kol, Eid two witnesses, Eid even set it up as a case of two against two. Look at Rashi, almost right across in Rashi. Afilu trei, asu bahad, ya dadunayim in pamshniya, rabbalozo no askinale. See, I'm going to say, here's what's interesting. 
according to Balazar, it sounds, or Rabbi Eliezer, it sounds like once two witnesses come and say that Aaron is a ben Grusha ben Chalutza, we're done. We're done. Which means that even if immediately afterwards two witnesses were to say, no, he is not a ben Grusha ben Chalutza, it sounds like over here that we would not be listening to them. So why don't you set up the case like that? That's even more compelling. To which the Gemara says, Allah Amravashi, the Mitzdarfin Le'idos Kamiflagi. I will say, this is fascinating. To which the Gemara says, no. In fact, in fact, the Mahlokis is something else, I will say. This is fascinating. I just want to point out, by the way, this, this Mahlokis, of, we, we originally thought the Mahlokis was, Arichoshesh Lezelusa de Beidina. Do you have to be for impugning the integrity of the basin? Which I will say is a fascinating idea about whether or not do you have to be concerned with the way things look, or in life, do you just do what's right? Which I will say, isn't that a tension that we live with all of the time? Right? Do, I, do I have the right to say, you know what, as long as I know what I'm doing is correct, I don't care what it looks like or what other people think. Or, no. Even if you're doing what's right, you still have to be concerned with what other people think. So I will say, this is not only my focus for Beisdin. Who else is it a machlokis for? It's a machlokis for us. So I will say, so what is the halacha, the personalistic halacha in that case? Right? Can you just do what's right and not care what people think? And the answer is a resounding no. In other words, I have to do what's right. Am I obligated to care about what people think? I'm not so... I'm not really obligated to care about what people think, but I am obligated to care about what my actions look like in the eyes of others. Bless you. In other words, there's a concept where I'll say of v'yisendikian. V'yisendikian means my actions have to look correct in the eyes of others. It is not enough for me to know that what I am doing is correct, but they have to look correct because chas v'shalom, if my actions look incorrect, or wrong in the eyes of others, there's two problems. Number one, people may learn from me, and may not understand the nuances of what I'm doing, and may end up doing something wrong. And also, if people think I'm doing something wrong, I'm an ambassador of the Shabbat Each of us is an ambassador of the Rebbein Shabbat. If people see me doing something wrong, that's a chilu Hashem. That's a desecration of He who I represent, i.e. the Rebbein Shabbat. Say for said, we are choshesh l'zelusa dina in our personal lives as well. I have to know what I'm doing is correct, but I also have to make sure that my actions look correct in the eyes of others. In any event, the Gemara says, but that's not what they're arguing about. What are they arguing about? It's fascinating. What they're arguing about is, see, I said, the Gemara took it for granted. Remember, what was the progression? Let's go back. What's Aaron's narrative? What's Aaron's life story? Aaron's life story is he started off in the, in, in the comfortable confines of the Kuhuna. Happy, lucky, right? Wonderful. Then what happens? Kull comes along. What's the call? What's the call? Right? Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza. Let's follow the progression. Right? Removal from the Kuhuna. Then what happens? Eid is good. Two Eidim is not good. I mean, he's not good, but you understand. Two Eidim is not good. And then what? Eid is good. So you want to see what my focus is? Do the two individual Eidim who said that he's good, can they in fact combine to form a testimonial unit? Here we go. So says, The argument whether or not two individual witnesses have the ability to combine to form a testimonial unit. That's the machlokas. Or we put the Here we go. So I will say the Tanakhama says two witnesses 
cannot go ahead and form a testimonial unit until what? Until when? Until they see the same event at the same time. Look at Rashi, almost right across in the Gemara. I will say, give an example. The Rashi actually says something like this. There's two things that's happening over here. Tanakhama says, two witnesses only combine to form a testimonial unit if they see the same event at the same time. I will say, give an example. Let's see if two witnesses, Reuven and Shimon. Reuven says, Reuven says, I saw A lend B $10,000. I saw the halva. I saw the halva. Shimon says, B, the borrower, told me that he borrowed $10,000 from A, right? So let's say you hear the distinction in the cases. Now, if you, if, you, if you think about it, if you think about it, both A and B, I'm sorry, both Ruben and Shimon are both testifying that what? Both testifying that what? That B, that A lent B $10,000. But they're not testifying about the same thing, right? Ruben says, I saw the loan. Shimon says, the borrower told me he borrowed the money. See, see, they're saying the same thing. They're saying the same thing. They're both testifying to the fact that A lent B $10,000. That's true, but they're not testifying about the same event. About the same event. So therefore, Abba Sabi Gimara says like this. Tanakhama says, Witnesses only combine when they testify about the same event that they saw at the same time. Rabbi Yeshua ben Karacha Omer, Afilu b'ze'achazeh. Rabbi Yeshua ben Karacha says that Allah Chalamai said, no, even b'ze'achazeh. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, even if they saw one, right, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, oh, not yet, I'm sorry. Furthermore, again, their idos is not upheld until ultimately, again, they testify together. Which I will say means seeing the same event is not enough. Seeing it together is not enough. But what else do you need to have? They need to testify together in Beisdin. Rabbi Nassim says, not true. You could even accept the testimony of one guy today and accept the testimony of the second guy tomorrow. And then we could combine them into one testimonial unit. So Rabbi say. This is actually quite fascinating. So it turns out that halacha lamaisa, halacha lamaisa. So, uh, so halacha lamaisa, whether or not, so I will say there's a number of different testimony, a number of different pieces of information given over over here. The point that's important for us, I will say, is let's say you have two guys who Mamish saw the same thing, but they're coming to Bezdin at two different times. Can we accept their testimony at two different times and combine that into one testimonial unit? That's a machlokas. The next machlok is being brought down over in the Gemara, right? Tanakamba says no. Rabbi Nassim says yes. And the Gemara suggests that's the same machlokas that's occurring over here in our sugya. So if Rabbi Osai, I'll just point out, so that, fine. So that, that's how the sugya ends. So interestingly enough, the machlokas is not about arichoshesh lezelusa debeidina. That's not the machlokas. The machlokas is, in this case, where you have kol, eidachot, says that he's good, tuedim is not good, Eid Echad is good. Can I take those two Eid Echads, combine them into a testimonial unit? That's the Machlokas. That's the Machlokas. So, beautiful. So, that's where the Sugya ends. But I want to just show you 
I want to show you, if you take a look, I, I WhatsApped you, the, the Rambam. See, I just want to close out this sugi in the right way. So the Rambam points out over something very interesting on both sides. So remember, what we're left with over here is, Halacha Halo, what was this whole sugi about? Whole sugi was about what attests to the yichus of a Kohen. So we'll say, what behaviors, what behaviors show us that a Kohen is a truly bona fide Kohen? So we'll say, look what the Ramam says. This is in Hilchos Isurei Biyah, Parak Esun, chapter 20. So the Ramam writes as follows, just qu- quickly. Kol Kohanim bizman azeb bechazakahim Kohanim ve'in ochle ala bekachiyak vuh. Fushetia truma shal devrema, truma shal Torah v'chalosh enoch. So we'll say, number one, the Ramam says, Kohanim today, Kohanim today, their cheskas kuhuna is midrabana. In other words, their cheskas kuhuna, guy, guy shows up, says, hey, I'm a koi. What do we say to him? What do we say to him? Good for you. Right? Shkoyach. Right? Good for you. Right? Fine. You say you're a koi, that, that, that's fine. But Lamaisa, claiming you're a koi, entitles you to only eat truma drabanan. Chuma Durabanon, Chalo Durabanon, Rabbinic Entitlements. You can get Rishon, you could Dilchin, however, Beis, Eizu Kohen Miyuchas. So I will say, but, but here's what we want to know. What makes a Kohen a Kohen Miyuchas, says the Rambam? This is in Halacha Beis. So what allows a Kohen to have bona fide Kohanic credentials? Listen to what he writes. Kol she'idu lo edim, shu Kohen, ben Plonia Kohen, u Ploni ben Plonia Kohen, ad ha'ish she'inu tzarech bedika, the only way to become a coin miyuchas is to have testimony that you have unbroken lineage to a coin who served in the Beis Hamikdash. Because Rabbi say, if you were a coin, if you have a coin who served in the Beis Hamikdash, remember any coin who did the avodah in the Beis Hamikdash had the genealogy vetted by the Sanhedrin. So if you could trace your way back to a coin who did avodah in the Beis Hamikdash, then your genealogy, then your yichos is absolutely unequivocally intact. So therefore again, so this is interesting. So pretty much now you begin to see that is the only way, according to the Rambam, to become a coin miyuchas. To have edos on your genealogy, Back to a coin who served on served in the base Hamikdash. Anything less than that, they will say, "Well, what? We'll give you Kohanim Ichos, quote unquote, midrabanon." But ultimately, to be called a kohen miyuchas, who ultimately again kriit shuma daraisa, kriit chalad daraisa, you'd have to trace your lineage back ultimately all the way to the mizbeach. So I will say the Ramam goes on and he says, So again, the Ramam then goes on to discuss the halachos of Chalo, but again, I will say, that is the halacha with establishing a Kohen Yuchas. So I will say, therefore, it turns out we went through this whole sugya. Truma consumption doesn't make you a Kohen Yuchas. Chalo consumption doesn't make you a Kohen Yuchas. Getting Rishon doesn't make you a Kohen Yuchas. Duchening does, those are all Kohanic behaviors. Beautiful. It's the only thing that makes you a Kohen with intact Yuchas. Is Eidos tracing you to an ancestor who served in the base of English? Incredible. I will say, let's look at the Mishnah and then we'll stop for today. Mishnah. So we'll say a very interesting case here. A woman who was taken captive, a woman who was taken captive by Gentile captors. So we'll say, so remember again, up until now, we've always operated with an assumption that unfortunately, when a woman was taken captive, what do we assume happened? What do we assume happened? She was violated by her captors. Right, so the Gemara says something very interesting over here. If a woman was taken captive, right, by non-Jews, 
al yidei mamun mutaris lebayla. If ultimately again she was she was taken captive for ransom, for money, this is fascinating. We assume that she was not violated by her captors, because what's interesting in the Mishnah says that Lamesa, people knew that if they wanted the full ransom, they had to leave. They had to leave the captive intact. Right, the moment you start to do things to the captive is the moment you run the risk of losing the ransom. So this, this, I just want to point out when the Mishnah says stuff like this. This is reflecting historical realities, right? This is not something that they came up with in the base medrash, right? They would say this was they're living this. They're living this. Jews taken captive, ultimately. And friends, you know, we'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up a minute with this, with this Mishnah. Fascinating so you know, but at least we closed out the sugi of Kohen Yuchas